definitely one of those things that I sort of thought about doing for a really long time. And I grew up in a woodwork shop. My dad's a joiner. So I've always been building stuff growing up. And I've definitely had thoughts about it for a while. And I just didn't really have, I guess, a reason to do it. It does make you question a lot of things. And I think the economy as a whole, it sort of just makes you realize how fragile it really is. I mean, these kind of things, it's like, all right, well, what can I do? If parachute season doesn't go ahead and there's like no jobs available because everything's closed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mountain Cosmos. I'm your host, Rochelle Gilmore, a ski instructor and an all-round mountain-loving person. And this podcast is about capturing the many different facets of mountain life. I usually split my time between winters in Australia and Jackson Hole in the States. At the moment, I'm at home in Perth in Western Australia, so I'm not in the mountains at the moment and it feels a little strange. But let's be honest, what doesn't feel strange right now? This episode is a chat I have with my friend Anna, Delana Jondek. Hopefully I've said her last name correctly while we were both in quarantine a couple of weeks ago. It was really good to catch up with her. Anna and I have been friends for a few years, but we've been doing seasons in separate places the last little while. Anna had just been in Naseko in Japan, so we had a little chat about her job in Japan, where she manages a small ski school, as well as instructing herself, and the process of becoming a ski patroller at Parisha. I also really wanted to ask her about van life, because the last time I saw Anna was in a hardware store in June last year, just before she moved to Parisha for the winter to become a ski patroller. Both of us wonder what is going to happen to our winter in Australia, and maybe we speculate a little bit over that. We talk about what we've been doing to keep ourselves entertained while in quarantine, and how Anna became a skier after moving to Canada on a little bit of a whim. It is a nice, light, hopeful chat. Also, Anna wanted to know what happened to me and how I ended up coming home, so I left a little bit of my story in as well. Or at least when Jackson closed, and how quickly I had to make the decision to come home. We recorded this chat over the phone, so the audio is not perfect, but it's not that bad, all things considered. I also tried really hard to kind of cut down the COVID chat, because I feel like we're probably all a little bit sick of hearing it. Also, bearing in mind, this conversation was recorded a few weeks ago, and as we all know, things have changed a little bit since the end of March. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. How are you doing? How is everything in isolation? Oh, you know, day seven, such a like high five point. I'm uh, going a little nuts, but... <laughs> yeah, so what, did you get back on Saturday or Friday? Uh, I got back on the 20th. I flew into Sydney, but then I had to drive down to Victoria. Um, so I'm sort of counting my isolation as like from the 21st, which is the 20th. was kind of like a transit day. How's your isolation going? Oh, it's pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's all right. But have you guys heard any word about um, Hossam? No. What about you guys? I guess you're probably in the same boat. You're perisher right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm perisher. I think it's about the same. I mean, if there was a girl, I have a feeling that they're going to do, you know, anything they can to stay open. However, ski resorts don't really like comply with social distancing rules. People don't really keep their distances in like lift lines and, you know, riding with chairlifts, things like that. So I'm not really too sure what's going to happen. I mean, everything changes every single day anyway. So it's kind of one of those things of like, 
well, it's a really great time to, like, learn a language, <laughs> like, do lots of crafts or something like that. I know. I've been like, oh, I could paint. I've got paints here. I could, I should just paint. And I haven't done, yeah. like, anything. Yeah, you should do it. Yeah, I do have, I, like, I do like to paint, but I'm just not feeling it right now. I've been reading yeah, a lot. Enough. I finished a book, so that's enough. Um, yeah, the whole book. Wow, that's productive. Yeah, that's how much notice good. did you get? Like, before you sort of made the decision to actually leave in. Well, Friday, I guess, like, I was up in Montana. We were, like, checking our schedules because we'd gone up to kind of escape before spring break kind of hit. The coronavirus thing was, like, getting worse, but our clients were still booked in like, yeah. in the morning. And then by 9.30, our clients were starting to cancel. And we're like, hmm, we could just stay in Montana. <laughs> like, why go back now? But we drove back because we were supposed to go back to line up on Saturday. We got back to Jackson Friday evening and then Saturday we went to line up. So many of us instructors just standing at line up because everyone had cancelled. We're right, all like, as in at line up but without any lessons coming in. Yeah, and we were like, well, Vale's shut for the week. If they're shut, we're going to shut pretty soon because that was the rumour that we'd heard. We skied on the Saturday for a bit and that was really bad. So we just like, we're back town and hung out and then they were still open we had so much snow though on the sunday we had 24 inches in 24 hours so about half what yeah what a way to go out that's amazing (laughs) i know but then they didn't even open the resort that day and the avalanche danger was super high as in high like everywhere they didn't say why they weren't opening but it was pretty obvious that even if like coronavirus wasn't a thing we probably wouldn't have opened on the sunday anyway because it was hot heavy yeah right prime time avalanches yeah and they'd been really cold so anyway they're like oh we're not opening today we just went back to town and by the lunchtime they're yep we're closing for the rest of the season oh really it was that like super and veil and like everyone else was still oh we're just shot for the week yeah and then i was like okay i'm just gonna like stick it out and we're gonna steal it to backcountry and it's gonna be really fun the monday it was still super sketchy and dangerous to go backcountry so we didn't got really funny and it was kind of gross we went skinning twice before i went home on the tuesday morning i had messages from friends family and stuff you're gonna come home and i'm like no not coming home yeah i was gonna say the fam the family got to you on like the wednesday morning i woke up to messages from my sister and a couple other people but my sister was you need to come home now like if you don't come home now you won't be able to come home for a very long time Um, and i was like fine and she was like call me as soon as you get this message so i called her and she was you need to look at flight and so i was looking at flights and then later that morning i booked my flight and then the next day like in the afternoon i was on my way home so yeah yeah. right where were you? I was, I was in Niseko in Hokkaido in Japan. And I was there last year as well. I mean, this year, March was already looking slow for like a lot of reasons. Like we get a really big influx of people from Chinese New Year's or like from China over Chinese New Year's. And I mean, with it all breaking out over Chinese New Year's, it obviously like wasn't as busy as we sort of anticipated. But it was a really early Chinese New Year's. So usually it's busy for a few weeks afterwards and then it slowly tapers off and then it goes into like amazing March where there's no people and still get 
gotten really good snow and you just go touring and it sort of starts to wind down in the season into the spring. I mean, this year we also have horrendous snow, so that obviously didn't help. And then everything with coronavirus and then Hokkaido went into state of emergency. So it was kind of, we have a 30-day cancellation policy. And so going into March, it was, I managed the ski school. And so every single booking that we had, we were full in March. And on like the 30 days to the dot, people would just be like, hey, I'm not coming because of coronavirus. So I mean, we sort of just lost everything. And then, I mean, with travel restrictions and stuff that came in, sort of just had to sit down my staff. And I mean, the hardest thing was kind of finding that fine line between, I guess, making them take it seriously but without scaring them in terms of getting that point across to the team. Right from the beginning, I was never personally concerned of getting the virus itself, you know, yeah. just because of the demographic and we're in the mountains and stuff wasn't really the biggest concern for me. It was more the travel restrictions of everyone coming to Park. I mean, all of our staff are all internationals. So, you know, everyone's traveled from home, which makes coming home or traveling on to the next season could be pretty tough, whether it was that, you know, flights were canceled or there's isolations or restrictions or something. I mean, you know what March is like. It's sort of just like those beautiful bluebird days and sort of just go touring and hang out and you know it gets warmer and you can like just go skiing in like a hoodie or a t-shirt or something just like the park and just sort of if you get injured because you're silly it doesn't really matter because it's March and the season's almost done anyway it was a really bizarre feeling of over like a week it kind of went from everything was relatively normal to we all got to get out while we can before everything closes every year after like the northern winters I usually try and like go to Southeast Asia or just you know, I work winters year-round, so get some kind of sun somewhere. And, um, yeah, I was supposed to be in Thailand and Indonesia for, like, six, eight weeks. And I got to Indonesia and had two days, and then their borders were closing. So I had to last minute just book a flight and come into Australia, and then our borders closed as well. So Oh, my gosh. So you went to Indonesia. I, you know, I mean, I lost a lot of money on, like, accommodation and, and other stuff, but I was there for, like, two days, and I was supposed to be there for two weeks. Although the isolation, like, we've actually had, like, really nice weather. I'm just down in this Victoria, and it's been, like, super sunny, and I'm like, you know what? If I don't get to be in Bali, so I've just, like, been making myself juices and smoothies and, like, sunbaking and reading a book and <laughs> making making that time out that I sort of really needed. Yeah, I mean, you're probably in one of the most beautiful spots to be hanging out right now anyway. Oh, in like, Victoria? Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, how is it down on, like, the ovens? Uh, yeah, in the valleys. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's been, like, really nice weather, so it's been great, you know, even though, like, with the isolation, like, the, the regulations, it's really hard to sort of know, like, what you can and can't do because I haven't been super clear about anything. And, I mean, I'm also down here by myself, so it's kind of, you know, if I go sit outside in the sun, I'm still isolating myself from people. But, yeah, no, it's been great. I'm sort of just keeping myself occupied, like, trying to, like, exercise, and I'm just doing lots of macrame and origami and coloring and cooking lots of food and I think once I get to the two-week mark I think I'll be borderline trained it's not too bad it's beautiful down here it's like you know surrounded by mountains and yeah like what's the story have you always been based there no so it's actually my boyfriend's cabin where's yeah, he so, uh he's currently back on the central coast just north of Sydney um, okay. so he's gone back to his family I typically live in my van but my mum's got my van at the moment and she couldn't accommodation last minute so I was like oh, I'll go down to Victoria and then once I'm finished then I'll get back up to the coast. How did you get there from the airport because it's pretty no, my so my mum came down and met me at the airport with her car she was so cute she was so stressed out and just bawling her eyes out crying because she was so relieved that I was finally home and she was so sad and that she couldn't hug me you know like I don't know just lots of emotions running through at the same time yes I flew into Sydney and then she met me there with her car and then I took her car and drove down seven hours to Victoria 
and then she took the train back to the coast. Oh, okay. Well, I guess you probably don't even know what you're going to do next. I guess you can still get Victoria to New South Wales, right? Yeah, currently you can. And I mean, even if they close, they're still open for like compassionate reasons. Yeah, I don't know. Everything's up in the air at the moment. Uh, you know, I have my contract and at the moment Perth is saying that they're planning to go ahead. But I think it's kind of one of those situations like they'll plan and staff and train and prepare as though they're going to, you know, open as per normal. And then sort of play by year and... I mean, we usually have no snow for the first three weeks of the season anyway. (laughs) Oh, I know. Just skiing on... Yeah. We're usually just skiing on grass for the first couple of weeks anyway. So how is Ski Patrol going? Um, I mean, obviously coming from like instructing, it's actually really nice to kind of break it up a little bit going back to back seasons. It's really fun. It's sort of, you know... So like you're learning and I feel like they're all skills that I sort of use in my own kind of life anyway. And I mean, clients that I have in Japan give them a lot of security knowing that, you know, like with medical training and stuff, kind of, it's just, you know, hard manual labor and sometimes it's just back to back and, you know, you've got some really tough days with really, really severe injuries and it's just back to back really bad injuries and it can, you know, be really like mentally taxing in that way. But um, it's a really good team and you know, everyone just works really well together and they're just fun. Because it was last season in Parachute, your first season ski patrolling? Yeah, so last season um, I was in mountain safety. So in mountain safety, you like mostly sort of patrol the slow zones and assist with them. And then they train you throughout the season. So they do a lot of on snow training and so like training and medical type stuff. Yeah, they do like most of the training on snow on the job, which is amazing. So yeah, like light lots. I didn't realize what you were doing in Japan. So you're running a little the ski school there or? I manage the ski school. So we're like a private ski school. So we only do private lessons. Um, we don't do any group lessons, but we do more of like a concierge type service. So all of their transfers, if they want to book massages or onsens or dinner reservations or, you know, they've injured themselves and they need a physio or, you know, anything they want recommendations, we sort of just make it happen. Cool. And so last year we had four instructors. So Japan also allows private ski schools. So Niseko actually has 80 something ski schools and a lot of them only have three or four or five instructors. This year we had 14. So it was like a pretty big step up. Yeah, that's huge. An extra 10. Were you instructing yeah. as well or were you just doing all the stuff behind the desk and everything? I instruct as well. So, I mean, this season, we didn't really expect it to be as busy as it was. I already had my clients that were sort of coming back to see with me anyway. And in terms of the workload, it was like expected for me to be able to manage it all on my own. And then I was working so hard on building all of these like business relationships all of last year and came up with this new business plan. And, and it, it always went too well to the point where I was, oh, right, okay, I've got a lot of work to do. I think that's why like March kind of just came around like in such a weird way because I'd been working, like I'd barely had any days off for like months and months. And then finally was about to have that time to, you know, go free skiing, go touring and sleep in and not be working at all hours of the night. And um, yeah, it kind of just abruptly ended. It kind of feels like I don't have closure on that season. <laughs> it feels weird. I feel that too. I definitely had all these plans and yeah, they all just kind of got blown up and had to shove everything yeah. in my bag pretty quickly and didn't even really get to say goodbye to everyone. I got to say goodbye to like a yeah. couple of people and 
you know, you think you have so much time to have all these conversations and see everyone and then it was just like, oh, I'm going home and I guess I'm just going to have to post on Instagram so that I'm home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, like, see you sometime in the future, maybe never. Yeah. What were your plans um, for, like, the off-season between seasons? I really wanted to travel. We were starting to talk about all these different little trips that we could do. I really wanted to go do, like, Zion and Yosemite. Oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Have you been there? You've been to a lot I of have, yeah. Yeah, when I lived in Canada, um, I mean, obviously having a lot of time off, like between summer and winter seasons in Canada, I had a little minivan that I'd rebuilt and went on tons of road trips down to the States because there's heaps of free camping and stuff down there too. So, you know, you could do it super cheap. And in that shoulder season, the best time of year to go because you're avoiding all the tourists and all the crowds. Yeah, and it's still, it's warm, but it's not too hot. Exactly. And it's kind of, it's a nice way to kind of come out of hibernation because it's not like you're going to slippery, humid, 35 degree days you're going to 20 degree days that are still really dry coming from a northern winter it's a really nice kind of gentle move back into like the warmer temperatures as well yeah definitely what but, are you doing like until, until I mean we find out awesome or not but I don't know I guess I'm kind of just working on my podcast well I do have another project that I'm working on which I told Anna about but I'm not quite ready to share it with you guys yet now we're talking a little bit about seasonal life and maybe the effects of what's going to happen next. We don't know. It's all just speculation at this point. Yeah, that's the thing. I find like working in a seasonal industry where you're already, you know, things are already so dependent on weather and the economy and tourism. And it's already so many variables that can like make things successful or unsuccessful. (laughs) Just throw a pandemic in there. You know, if you had any hopes of making that something stable and just, yeah, throw a pandemic at it and, and see what happens. And, you know, it, always, it does make you question a lot of things. And I think the economy as a whole, it sort of just that makes you realize how fragile it really is. And I mean, these kind of things, it's like, all right, well, what can I do if I perish a season doesn't go ahead and there's like no jobs available because everything's closed? What mm-hmm. can I do to keep myself entertained? Like, what do you think you're going to oh, do? I don't know. I mean... I guess because I'm always traveling for work over like long periods of time as well. Obviously with social distancing, not being able to spend a whole lot of time with family, but I guess just feeling settled in a place for more than like a few months would actually be really nice. Learn a language, maybe do some online study, focus on like exercise and craft. You know, I've been making heaps of macrame, so everyone's getting macrame projects for anniversaries and birthdays and Christmases this year. (laughs) That's my isolation gift. That's awesome. I mean, making things is really fun. I love making things. You know, you can't really do much else when everything's closed. And I think it's going to take a really long time for things to sort of go back to normal as well. So I'm sort of, I'm not going to say pessimistic, but I'm going to say I'm like sort of just preparing that it's going to be like this for a while. So sort of just getting in the mindset of like, I can start bigger projects because I'm going to have the time to like commit myself to that. <laughs> I've been like, should I start a master's? <laughs> what would you do for your master's? After the book that I just finished, I'm like, oh, I want to do something environmental. And I don't think that's actually going to happen. Back to trying to be positive about this situation. I don't know. But yeah, I am kind of stuck here in one sense, but I'm also safe here, if that makes sense. You know, we have a a medical system that can sort of cope and can help us in that, well, at the moment at least. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, just like watching some of the stuff that's going on overseas, I feel very lucky to be Australian. 100%. Yeah. Like, at least we're getting... Like a lot of the facts from the news and I don't yeah. know, like 
a lot of the stuff, like in America, it was just, it didn't feel real because they weren't really exposing it. Um, it and is they still aren't absolutely really. absolutely mental in the States. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But, um, uh, yeah, it's just kind of crazy to see, like, how everywhere's, like, doing it differently. And um, I know some people who came back from, like, they were doing their seasons in, like, Switzerland and um, Germany and stuff. No, they, so they've come back here, and it's almost like culture shock. We're, like, walking along the street. Everyone's just walking around. We're, like, go home. Man, it's crazy in Australia how people are still so blase to it, kind of, where they've been in through district lockdown for weeks in Europe. Just like watching all the photos and everything, I'm like, what? What are you guys doing? I feel very sheltered up here in the bush, but it's, um, but yeah. I mean, in like the grand scheme of things, it's yeah. frustrating in a selfish sense of that, like, I didn't get to achieve and do the things that I wanted. In the grand scheme of things, I think, you know, we're very lucky. We're happy and healthy and have Definitely. family and friends and countries to, like, look after us. And, like, we're yeah. very lucky in Australia with our healthcare and... All of that. I've been trying not to watch too much news. You kind of can't help it yeah. with everything going on. I mean, especially healthcare coming from the state compared to yeah. Yeah. Well, that's enough about coronavirus and the state of the world. Let's get back to normal podcast things. Well, I was thinking, for the sake of my normal podcast, I asked everyone what they love about the mountains. So I want to ask yeah. you that too. What do you love about the mountains? That's a few things. I love waking up in the morning and having that really crisp, fresh air when it's like kind of almost a little bit cold, obviously, whether it's like summer or winter. I love that they make me feel small, sort of make me feel humbled, and they provide me with lots of like really fun activities, like whether it be, you know, skiing or hiking or climbing or anything sort of fun and outdoorsy, they just make it that much more fun. Nice, I like that. And how did you start skiing? How did you start the whole mountain thing? I feel like we've known each other for a while, but... So it was actually, I was at university and I was studying civil engineering and I sort of got to a point where I was like, man, I don't really like where my career path was potentially going to be taking me. And I just always felt like I sort of just wanted to be doing something different. I felt like I was sort of, I guess, confining to the social norms of going to university, but I didn't actually really want to be there for myself. I was kind of like quarter life practice-ish kind of times where I was like on Facebook and I was just scrolling and I saw a photo of someone that I went to high school with, hadn't spoken to them in like five, six years and they put a photo up of Vance in Canada and I saw this photo and I was like, that looks nice, I'll move there. So I packed up all my things and yeah, pretty much in two days I dropped out of university and I gave up my apartment and I um, started the visa application process for Canada and got my visa a few days later and booked a flight and moved three weeks later. Wow. Where were you? You were in like Banff, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I went from Sydney to Banff and I'd actually never skied before I went there. Yeah, I was working. I got a job as a server or a waitress at a ski resort and learned to ski and I loved it. So the next season I started instructing and really loved it as well. Yeah, it sort of just explored and gone on from there. So I did a lot more backcountry stuff and did my Aviox 1 um, exam and then, yeah, moving up with that. And yeah, now teaching and guiding in Japan and running that ski school and then patrolling in Australia. It's really fun, whether they be lifelong career objectives or not. I think even just for my own personal development, they're just really fun skills to have and really fun knowledge to have. I'm like, 
how cool that I get to like stay out here and use all this knowledge. It's really cool. I didn't realize that you had skied like you hadn't skied at all before you went to Canada. Yeah. I feel like maybe like I vaguely remember this when we met. I don't even know a very long time ago. Okay, so how many winters have you done? Have you had a uh, summer? I've had yeah. When I lived in Canada, I did back to back couple of years and then I also stayed there for a few summers so I've done eight winters so going into Sarasota would be my night cool yeah. yeah how was Canada in the summertime I loved it such a difference I mean Banff has five million tourists a year and they have one million in winter and four million in summer in a good year summer is two and a half or three months and most of the time winters there go for like six or seven months yeah so it's short and sweet just sort of like having that sort of regular crew and you know whether it be hiking or like just going down to the lake and doing barbecues or setting up flatline and going flatlining together or going climbing anything like that it's just like a really nice time I mean just being in the mountains anywhere in the world is where you'd want to be were you already pretty like outdoorsy or do you think it just made you outdoorsy I've always been raised you know we've always done a lot of things in nature whether it be like hiking or camping with my parents like growing up I've always been an outdoorsy person I mean we had horses growing up and always had lots of animals so we've always spent a lot of time outside I think the time that I spent there definitely developed my passion for mountains and thoughts that are in the outdoors I always appreciated the outdoors but I was never really involved in you know mountain sports as such now I definitely am kind of just making almost like that natural progression of like an appreciation to involvement to like making a living from it which is kind of cool as well I really appreciate it when people don't necessarily like grow up with it probably appreciate it more than people that have totally grown up with the mountains I feel like it's yeah. like a different kind of dynamic and it's really cool. Okay, yeah. so the thing that I really wanted to ask you about and I probably wanted to ask you about this is we ran into each other at the hardware in Myrtleford yeah. last year. How is van life treating you? It was really good. I mean, so I finished my van before I went to Perisher and I mean, a big reason behind doing the van itself was, I mean, I'd come back to Australia for the first time in years and I needed to have a car anyway. You know how expensive staff accommodation is and it's usually like not really the best quality and I'm not a party girl and I really just didn't want to take the risk of having a partying messy loud housemate or roommate so I was like well great if I'm gonna have to buy a car anyway and pay for the own insurance and you know all these other car costs then I may as well have a van that I live in and then I avoid all of those problems you know I had a bit of time between seasons so that was a really great project but I lived in it during the winter time and it was amazing it was really hard at first sort of going into doing a season in a place where I didn't know anyone in that sense not living with people made like the social aspect quite hard but one sort of felt like I established myself and like made friendships at work then it sort of definitely mellowed out and it was really nice just being able to have my own space to go back to at the end of like a really long work day it's been really great and it kind of worked out well because my mum lives in it um, when I'm in Japan yeah now that I'm back it's sort of just getting fixed at the moment had a couple of things but once I finish my isolation then I'll be back in the van nice yeah. I was impressed when you were telling me about your van when we ran into each other last it was definitely one of those things that I sort of thought about doing for a really long time and I grew up in a woodwork shop my dad's a joiner so I've always been building stuff growing up and I've definitely had thoughts about it for a while and I just didn't really have I guess a reason to do it and yeah all of those things just aligned and I was well I've got the time and now I also have the reason so I may as well get down and build it and my boyfriend's a carpenter so he had all the tools and he helped me out a little bit as well which is awesome it's great it's quite fancy it's not just a mattress in a shell it's got all the the extra bits and pieces I'm surprised you haven't really put any photos of it on Instagram you know yeah hashtag van life 
I haven't really been that active on Instagram in the last couple of years, I must admit. I know, um, you used to be so active on Instagram. I haven't really had as much time to edit everything like that. I felt like I sort of had like a theme. And I was like, how do I just like change this theme? I can't just change it straight up. I've got to slowly mellow my way into changing that theme into like van life type stuff. And I haven't really had a lot of content or time to be able to do that yet. But if this isolation is the time for me, maybe that should be my project. Maybe it is. We've been chatting for a while. I think it's a catch up anyway. Yeah, I think. Just wrap it up there. I will chat to you soon. Enjoy isolation. And that is a wrap on my chat with Anna. Coming up next, I have some more interesting chats. Also, go and give The Mountain Cosmos a follow on Instagram. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode because I have a tendency to publish a little bit randomly. And I would also love it if you could share the podcast with someone who might like a little lesson. And if you're on Apple Podcasts and have time, please leave a rating or review. It'll help people find the Mountain Cosmos. And I hope everyone is staying healthy and as active as they possibly can and nice and safe and away from people and all those things so we can get back to our normal lives. Hopefully, ski you later.